Well, sweet. I'm glad to be up here. It's, again, everyone's having a good week, good time. There's a lot of dudes up here. I see some familiar faces. See my dudes from last year. Been walking up right now. Cool. Well, for like I said up there, my name's Jensen. Uh, I was a lifeguard up here the summer of 2014, and then had the privilege of coming back um, last year, summer of 2015, as a lead counselor. That's where I know some of you guys from. Um, yeah, I love this place. Wasn't able to come back up here for the whole summer, but got the privilege to make it happen to come up here every Wednesday. So grateful for that. Um, so before we get started, just kind of want to point out, uh, I'm not I'm not the guy who has it all together, has you know all the answers, or a pastor or a preacher or a teacher. I just I love Jesus and. I want my life to reflect who he is and who he's called me to be. And I just want people to know him and I want to make much of him. So, so yeah, today I want to talk about what it means to be a son of God and the importance of how the Bible calls us to live. But first, I kind of want to talk about um, who Jesus was to me when I was most of you guys' age in high school, uh, kind of versus who he is to me now. And the change that took place there. Um, so a little backstory about me. Uh, I grew up in a broken home. My dad uh, left when I was very young, first, second grade. Um, and that left me with my two older sisters and my mom. And I was the youngest and also very young at that time, not really knowing what what the meaning of it was or what was all going on, uh, what it all meant. And, because on the outside, to me, everything looked okay, you know. I didn't see anything wrong, but it was the inside where the evil was and where all the destruction was in my family. And I say that because that's what God's really concerned with. He's concerned with your heart. You could put up a front and you could act like you're alive on the outside and put up a fake, but, uh, but God knows your heart. He knows uh, what you're going through. He knows your struggles, your pain, your sin. Um, and Jesus changes that. He can, he can and wants to enter in and change whatever you're going through, whatever situation you are in. And we're all proof of that if you're in Christ. Um, he's concerned with your heart. He wants to give dead things life. He wants to restore relationships in your family, with your friends, with people in your life. And all those are bumpy and very rough. Bro. That's exactly what he did for my family, uh, Jesus. Our God is a God of restoration, and boy, am I thankful for that. Um, also, being the only boy in the family, I was very influenced by my father, the only male figure in my life, kind of showing me what a man was and wanted to spend time with him, not knowing the destructive path he was on. Growing up, my dad would always tell us, you know, sex before marriage is bad, sex outside of marriage is bad, but come to find out he was having an affair on my mom, cheating on her abusing their uh, relationship. My dad would tell me, you know, drugs are bad. Partying does nothing good for you. Stay away from it. Then would be up for days and days at a time, um, shung out on meth and eyes bulging out of his head, teeth rotting and just sinking more and more into darkness. He would tell us the goodness of Jesus and how we should act and live, but then would live with such anger and bitterness. My dad would preach to me, but not lead by example. And the reason I say that is because 
We are called not to just tell people about Jesus, but we are called to lead them to Jesus by being that example. And Jesus didn't come to this world to just explain that he loves us and explain that life only has meaning with God. He proved it. He lived a blameless life. He dealt with temptation. He dealt with not being cool or popular at times. He went through great physical abuse and he went through many trials, but he held on to what he knew to be true. He held on to that the Father placed a calling on his life and Jesus said, not my will be done, but yours. Because if you live a life apart from the calling God placed on your life, it will ultimately lead you to confusion. Um, so mom got remarried when I was in seventh grade, which now made me one of six siblings instead of one of three. And since the divorce, we hadn't spent much time um, in church or around like a community of faith or believers. Uh, but during that time, I would still call myself, you know, a Christian. I would, since I believed, I thought I was a Christian instead of letting God's word transform me and teach me what it meant to be led by my faith and make Jesus known, I decided to make Jensen known. I decided to take on the title as a Christian, but not the life that went with it. And it's around this time I really began to make myself known to call myself a Christian, but again, not be an example and a leader. So as soon as high school approached, uh, dove straight into the party lifestyle. We had a huge group of friends and we all had to make much of ourselves at our school. We had to be the ones that were known um, and respected. We had to be the hardest partiers, which involved drugs, which involved fighting, which involved uh, just reckless behavior, um, doing whatever we wanted to satisfy ourselves. And see, high school to us wasn't preparing for our future. It was go hard, party hard, do enough in school to just graduate, but live recklessly and kind of, you know, do whatever we want. Um, and one thing I kind of want to point out in this is, like, God wants us to live productively. We're not called to live a lackadaisical lifestyle, to be lazy. It's really just the opposite. We should try our best and be active in our faith. And we're never too young for God to start working in our lives. But if Jesus isn't the center of your life, if he isn't the reason you live, if you replace him with being a good student or making the most money or being the best athlete or chasing girls or like I was living to satisfy myself, you will be disappointed because sports will fade away and money doesn't satisfy your soul. Jesus does. Um, sports and academic achievements and making money or finding a great career are not bad things, but they aren't God. They will fail you if you put your faith into them. They are not meant to sustain you. You are meant to glorify God with them. They are a gift from God, but they are not God. And I just always think about like how amazing the joy that would come and the impact like you guys right here would have if you just chose to be faithful to Jesus in your youth. If you put him before popularity, before friendships, before sports, before everything, um, just life-changing because I went through high school abusing relationships, abusing authority, only concerned with myself, had just so much pride, so much self-glorifying, all about me, just stuck in sin and blinded by it because sin is fun. Of You know, of course it is. You're, you're doing it wrong if you think it's not fun and the devil, the enemy is crafty. If sin wasn't fun, it wouldn't keep drawing you in, but the sin and flesh are selfish. And sin affects so many others than just the one that is in sin. Um, 
as I continued down the path I was on, I began to wreck relationships I had with my family to the point where my sisters wouldn't speak to me uh, because my my sin started affecting the lives of my loved ones, the ones um, in my family. My sister Jillian at one point, she wouldn't speak to me. She hadn't said a word to me in days. And I just remember her coming up to me at school and just kind of in tears. And she just handed me this letter and walked away. And I go to open up this letter and it's just a letter talking about how bad my actions and my sin are affecting my family and how my mom was up for hours and hours in the middle of the night, just in tears, crying, thinking, you know, my son's going to turn out just like his dad. He is headed down the same path. Um, and I was, and I was blind to it and I completely ignored it. Just brushed it off. You know, I won't be like that. That's not who I am. And uh, they were scared I'd end up like my dad, and I was too hard-headed to see it, too blinded by the sin I was in to see the destruction I had caused to my life and my family's life. Um, And as I got older, that just continued to get worse and worse. By the time I was a senior, I'd been arrested multiple times. My mom had received many phone calls, you know, at 2, 3 a.m. saying, you know, we got your son. He's, He's drunk. He's with us at the station he's in the back of our cop car he's sitting with us in jail and we need you to come get him and i was deep in darkness in need of a savior because nothing this world has to offer would save me from my sin and the destruction the destructive path i was on i needed jesus and this continued even a little after high school and during all this my sister had married a guy uh his name is jordan who planted a church called via um They also had my first nephew, Willem Gray, and man, I love that little guy. And so I would be over at their house all the time, and I just kind of began to see the joy that they had and the happiness in their little family that instantly I knew just could not come from this world. The love not offered, not found anywhere but Christ. And they knew all about what I was up to, but decided not to judge me, but to love me, to accept me, not accept my sin, but to accept me. And this was right around the time during Christmas, and during Christmas we would all do like a gift exchange, you know, you put your name in the hat and you do an exchange with whoever you draw on Christmas Eve, and we ended up not doing it that Christmas, but uh, my sister was up visiting and we just sat on the couch talking for hours, and I began to tell her how bummed I was that we weren't doing the exchange because I really just wanted um, a new Bible. I had lost mine or just hadn't seen it, gotten rid of it, misplaced it, and just wanted a new one and since we didn't do the exchange but sure enough like a week or so later my sister came up handed me a bible that her and Jordan her husband had gotten me and and it was a note that I'll never forget it said uncle Jensen for being an awesome uncle and brother we wanted to give you this bible this book is a pathway to a growing relationship with God this book has been a huge part of our lives and our little family you're a great guy, and we love you very much. Use this book with a little footprint from my nephew. And to me, that was enough. That night, my life changed forever. I went to Via that Sunday, and Jesus just got a hold of me. He showed me how true joy, true life, true meaning and purpose came from him. And not only that, because I was still in filth, I still had sin, I still needed to be cleansed that Jesus paid for that sin. Out of faithfulness and love, Jesus went to the cross and absorbed my sin so that I might be cleansed. 
Because when you just let your faith reach the deepest parts of you, you, you have no option but to let it transform you. And to point out, like, for those of you here that have not, get, not good enoughs or doubts, or maybe you're like I was, calling myself a Christian, taking on the title, but not the life that came with it, not leading by example or following Jesus and leading people to death instead of life. Man, like, God is bigger than that. He placed a calling on your life. You're not too young, and it's not too late. Will there be struggles? Will you be tempted? Will you have to deal with not being cool or popular or being persecuted or looked down upon at times? Yes, absolutely. Jesus says in his word, in this life you will have trials, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You will have struggles, but it will be worth it. And God is bigger until you just turn to him and say, okay, Jesus, I trust you. I want to understand. I choose you even though I don't fully get it. Uh, but I'm going to choose to put my faith in you. I trust you. You will not have true joy in true life. And, uh, and you just stop searching all these worldly things like I was, just trying to satisfy myself temporarily. And now I kind of want to revisit something I brought up earlier about my dad, who I had rarely talked to during all this time because of restraining orders and his addiction and multiple other things. And it's just more evidence that shows the realness of Jesus and how he gives dead things life and makes old things new because God got a hold of that man too. Um, my dad, his name's Jeff, who cheated, abused, was a meth addict for 24 years, wrecked relationships with every single person in his family, destroyed his health, lost contact with everyone in his family, wasn't even invited to my sister's wedding and just had so much anger and pride and so many other things. Uh, that man today is involved in a ministry called Hikes for Orphans, and he climbs mountains like Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa and fundraises for orphans at the bottom that live at the bottom of Mount Kilimanjaro um, so that they can climb with him. And at the top, he just holds up this big sign that just says, Jesus is Lord, and tells all the orphans about who Jesus is and how much he loves them and that God has a plan for them and continues to pray with them, love them, and just share the gospel with them. And now we have a great relationship. He see, we see each other all the time, as well as my sisters and her sons, uh, my dad's grandchildren. Um, and now he helps oversee sobriety homes, disciples, younger men struggling with addiction. Um, and you know who restores health and relationships, who can break addictions and darkness, who has the power to resurrect anything and everything and overcome even death itself, Jesus does. God rescued him from his sin, changed his heart, flipped his story into one that could impact people for his glory. And that's our Jesus, and that's what he wants for all his children. And I just want to encourage you now like, to just start in your youth, to impact your schools, impact your friends, your teachers, your family, just people all around you. Because God wants to use you, and that's going to require some sacrifice, which may be hard, but you're not alone. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. And just for you men to push each other towards Jesus, to step out in boldness and be different. And with that, I kind of want to approach a scripture that I use, and I think every guy, every person, every Christian could use to uh, just show how we can let our faith lead us. And it's Hebrews 12, or Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Um, I have right here. It just says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And A message I listened to on this verse one time kind of gave me a new perspective on how I'm called to live. And The message talks about how we should not just lay aside sins when we're following Jesus. And it talks about how Christians, and I think kind of men more specifically, kind of tend to ask the question, like, is what I'm doing a sin? Like, if it's not a sin, then it's not bad, right? If what I'm doing isn't sin, then, you know, it's okay. And this text tells us not only to eliminate sin, but to eliminate every other weight, and that holds us back and to run with Jesus. And so the question I kind of want to challenge you with and to ask yourselves and each other instead of, is it a sin, is to ask yourself, like, does it help me run? Does it get in my way when I'm trying to become more patient, more kind, more holy, more pure, more self-controlled? Does what I'm listening to help me run? Do the movies I watch help me run? Does this relationship help me run? Does my attitude towards my team, my coworkers, my family, does that help me run? Does it get in my way or... Does it help me run? I think that's a question that we need to ask ourselves. Because when we come to Jesus, we need to lay aside sins for sure. But also to humble ourselves and lay aside everything that doesn't point us to Christ. Um, that does not help you run. And just to challenge each other and to utilize the men in your life. Like you guys, everyone here has mentors, youth pastors that are here purely because they love you. They want what's best for you. They want to help you grow and push you towards Jesus. Um, so to take advantage of that, take advantage of the guys in your life, uh, to pray for each other, ask God to show you how can you impact people for his name, for his glory. When you play sports or you're involved in music or work or whatever it is that you do. And I kind of want to wrap up with this story. Uh, so after Jesus changed my life, I was on my way back to my high school to visit one of my old teachers definitely my favorite teacher and it's kind of like that teacher you have that will like put you in your place but at the end of the day you guys are still homies but yeah her name is Mrs. Solomon when I was talking to her about my life and just kind of where I'm at now and how Jesus changed me she started to tear up and she said something that I'll never forget she said you know Jensen we always knew you were a leader we never doubted that we always knew that whatever path you chose to take that people were going to follow you she said we were worried because we didn't know where you were going to lead people. We didn't know if you'd lead people to destruction, to sin, to death, or if you were going to lead people to Christ, to joy, and to life, to true purpose. And I believe that for all of us. Like, we're all leaders. We're all capable of leading, like, wherever God has placed us. So I want to ask you guys, like, where do you want to lead people? When you go back down the hill, are you going to change? Are you going to choose to treat girls right, to be bold and to stand up for Christ? Will you tell your buddies, no, man, I'm okay. I'm not going to drink or I'm not going to go to that party. I'm not going to smoke or I'm not going to sleep around or tell your family or your teammates like, hey, my attitude is not been a reflection of how God calls me to treat you guys, how God calls me to play. And that's going to change. It's not glorifying to my king. And, yeah, your faith's going to be tested, I guarantee it. If you've been a Christian long enough, you run into times where it's not cool, it's not popular, it's looked down upon. 
it's looked at as different. But even in that, I always think like there can be joy because we can we can take a hit for our king. We can remain strong, persevering through <clears throat> sorry trials in our faith. And yes, like you will feel at times, but there's grace in that. Like you don't have to be perfect because Jesus was perfect for you. He will pick you back up and he will draw you close. And like you're a son of God, like you own that identity. You be bold in that. Read your Bibles, reflect how God, God's word calls us to live and God will meet you where you're at. Because I just want you guys to be encouraged. Like there's people out there who don't know Jesus. There's people out there who have no hope, who are stuck in brokenness and no one's ever told them about Jesus. And you guys all here have that answer for them. You guys have what the answer that they're looking for. And I just want to encourage you to go out and lead. Can we do that? Yeah. All right. I'm going to pray. And I have like kind of a few activities we can do or, uh, yeah. So anyways, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this place. Thank you for, uh, this time and this great weather and time where we can really just unplug and be still and just get alone with you and just grow. And I thank you for all the men here, God. I thank you uh, for bringing them up here safely. And God, I just pray that you would enter in, that you would meet these guys where they are at and just encourage them. Would you break anything that's holding them back and would you show them their true identity in you? Would you... um, Would they utilize each other? Would they push each other back to you? Would they constantly have that question in their mind? Not, is it a sin? But the question, does this help me run? Would they not be afraid to be bold, to stand up for you, to show and tell people about who Jesus is? Um, I just pray over the rest of this week for them and all the time after that, God, that you would lead them, that they would know that you have not given us a spirit that is timid. And uh, Jesus, we love you. We give you this time. Amen. Cool. Um, so kind of, I guess there's kind of two options. Rachel mentioned like doing a Q&A if you guys wanted to. And another thing I thought about doing that would be really cool is if you kind of walked around or just went and met someone new and we kind of spent time just you know, asking, you know, something we want to improve in, in this factor, even if it's just asking, Hey, how can I pray for you specifically, um, as a brother in Christ? Uh, so it's kind of up to you guys. If you want to do that, spend some time just praying over and for each other, or we could do a Q and a, if anyone wants to throw out whatever they want. Are you guys down to kind of, I think it's just really cool. And there's so much power in prayer and just being raw and being real of what is going on in your life or what you're struggling with or what you want to improve on, or even just sharing like what God is teaching you and to have someone, even if it's someone you do know, if you guys want to go to your youth pastors or your counselors, whoever's here with you, or if you feel encouraged and want to get up and just go pray for someone you haven't met. Um, So let's spend some time doing that. Let's, get up and go meet someone that you don't know and spend some time praying for each other, asking how you want God to move in your life.